What can we learn about hope from a cheerleader living with multiple rare and chronic illnesses? A lot, it would seem. I'm Stacey, and thanks for tuning in to the Quiet Connections podcast. In this episode, I speak with best-selling author and cheerleader of hope, Barbie Ingle. We discuss how to find hope when things feel bad and the importance of getting to know who we are. I know firsthand the hopelessness that can arise when experiencing social anxiety, when feeling not good enough and wondering if things would ever be different. I know the pain of not being sure about who I am and feeling purposeless and lost and as though I have nowhere that I belong. Whether you're experiencing physical or emotional pain in your life, if you've ever felt hopeless, then this episode is for you. Through Barbie's inspiring story of life-changing events, we'll explore how to help cultivate and hold on to hope even in our darkest moments. Barbie also shares with us a practical exercise that has been a crucial tool within her journey that will help you to appreciate all that you are, which I do hope you'll try. This is a beautifully lighthearted and uplifting chat, so let's hear from Barbie. Hi Barbie, it's a pleasure to have you um, join us on the show today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Stacey. I am doing very well and I've gone through some tough times over the last about 18 months with the pandemic, but also with other things that I had just before that and 20 years of living with chronic pain. So today's a good day for me and I'm excited to be here. Oh, that's great. So from what I understand already, you do have quite the story to share with us today. And um, would you like to start by just telling our listeners a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do and what's actually brought you to or led you up to this point now? Sure. So I'm Barbie Ingle and I'm from uh, or I'm living in Arizona. I'm from Bangkok, Thailand, um, which is which is pretty interesting story as well. But the reason why I'm here today is because I'm a chronic pain patient and I'm also an advocate and author and presenter on topics that have to do with living your best life despite having a chronic condition. And um, for me, I uh, have a uh, multiple rare diseases, but the one that's the worst is called reflex sympathetic dystrophy, RSD. And um, reflex is anything in your body that's automatic, goes haywire. Your um, S, sympathetic, is your nervous system. That's like burning fire pain all over your body as if somebody put lighter fluid in your veins and caught you on fire. And dystrophy is loss of muscle and bone. And um, I'm currently in remission. I go in and out of remission. And um, it took seven years to get a proper diagnosis. And that because of that, sorry, three years to get a proper diagnosis, seven years to get a proper treatment. And that's why I share my story and really think it's important to talk about health and things that you can do to prevent getting in such bad shape as, as I was. And um, if you're in such bad shape and you're listening, uh, maybe some hope to get past that and get out of it and um, uh, live a more full life. So I know you kind of refer to yourself as being a cheerleader of hope, which I yes. absolutely love. Can, can you share a little bit about like where that came from and what that so, means? <laughs> yeah, I um, came up with that after I got sick, but 
since I was four years old, my one of my first conscious thoughts after I saw a cheerleader, a group of cheerleaders down on a field cheering at a at a football game, soccer, not American football. Um, <laughs> for American Big difference, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I said I want to do that, and I um, told my dad that's my purpose in life, and he was like, "No, it's not." And I'm like, "Yep, God told me that's my purpose." And um, still to this day, I believe that even though I can't do the physical cheerleading, I morphed when I got sick into uh, a different type of cheerleader. And the skills that I learned in cheerleading took me a long way. But um, I, besides the physical aspects of cheerleading with the flipping and stunts and all the, all the fun parts, um, I, I learned so many other things like um, motivation and organization and responsibility and time management. And, and I took those skills that I learned that I really wasn't doing cheerleading because of those things. Those are things that I got to learn and hone in on and practice. Um, and I became a mental cheerleader, which is a cheerleader of hope. And uh, I am able to, by sharing my story and sharing other people's stories, I can help newly diagnosed people or people that are looking for a diagnosis or people that don't understand their, their crazy aunt um, who complains about pain all the time. Hopefully hearing my story can help plant a seed and help them understand what their own family members are going through. Because one in five people around the world is living with something that is involving chronic pain, which is pain that lasts more than uh, three to six months. And um, it's persistent. So that's kind of how I took on that cheerleader of hope before I was just a cheerleader. I've upgraded. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that. (laughs) And become a cheerleader of mental mindfulness, um, hope, positivity, all the good things in this world. Yeah, I I really do love that. That's such a nice way to like take something that was like a physical passion of yours and turn that into something that's more like emotional and and more mental based. And it's still clearly like a big part of of who you are. So I I think you were correct when you say it was your purpose in life. (laughs) I did. And the funny thing is my dad told me, uh, he said, no, when I started to go to college, I was like, well, I just want to do cheerleading. So I'm just going to go to college to cheer. And he was like, no, you're not. You have to do something that that can last you past that. And um, and so I looked around at all the different things I could choose to major in in college. And um, I chose social psychology, which did help. It, social psychology is, to me, another form of cheerleading. And, <laughs> and so I got my degree in social psychology, which is the study of how you get individuals to respond and, and react in a group. Right. So how do you get the best out of your group? And when you're working with teams, that's what, you know, you're working with groups. So I got to use my degree in coaching, although it wasn't like a direct counseling type of situation. Um, I did feel I had 56 student athletes at Washington state university. Um, I was the head cheer and dance coach before I got sick. And, um, I used what I learned in my degree to motivate not only my team and and the members of the teams, but also the crowd. Like we got to use some of those skills that you learn in psychology on the crowd to get them to yell at appropriate times and create patterns. So when they come to the games, they can uh, participate more fully and feel like we gave them an experience. And so I definitely 
didn't want the degree, but I got the degree and it did help out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I, again, I just—it always fascinates me how certain like things that we do, even if we're not sure like where they're going, how they all kind of combine together somehow. And like, you can't always see—you can't always see what or why you're going through something. So I just stopped asking why is this happening, and found look to use that energy to find a way through whatever's happening, and in that journey, cheer myself on. So if it's hard or if it's not fair, I still have to get through it. I still want to wake up tomorrow and, and live tomorrow as well. So I, I do my best in each situation and try to cheer myself to and through anything that comes up and not go, why me? But some people have that why me feature. And um, I think it's something I practiced out of me. <laughs> but when you look back, you can see. Oh, that's why you can't always see it when, when you're in the midst of it and you're having that challenge that you're facing and working on. But when you look back, you go, oh, I wouldn't be here if I didn't take on that challenge. If, had I given up, I wouldn't be where I am today. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree with that. I mean, was there any moments like for your experiences of those, those challenges with, with the chronic pain where, you know, you had those feelings of, why me and trying to figure it out and like how how did you particularly actually take those steps then to get through that and utilize that that cheerleader within you yeah in the very beginning I would say it wasn't really a why me but I was trying to figure it out and I felt like I was a crab in a bucket of boiling water and I was trying to get up and when I would get my head up over the pan I would get sucked back down and um and so I didn't have why me but I did fight as hard as I could to crawl out of that boiling water so I could keep living. And, um, sometimes it was harder than other times. And, um, I, yeah, I, I didn't really, I didn't really have that. Why me? But I accepted it. I think sooner than a lot of people accept living with a chronic condition. I also had all of the doctors I was seeing, they were like, look, we don't know what's wrong with you exactly, but you're never going to go back to cheerleading. The rest of your life is not cheerleading. So you need to like refocus your life and do something else. And I would say, no, but I'm a cheerleader. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I am. You can't take that from me. And they would say, no, you really need to move on. And what they were saying was like, physically, you're never going to do backflips and and get tossed to the top of the pyramid again. You need to, to move on. But for me, being a cheerleader was more than just all the fun stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. It sounds like it was a mindset more than anything. Yes, absolutely. And and I remember as a kid, my dad would say, how do you keep smiling and cheering when your team's losing 50 to zero? And I'll say, because that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. And I kind of do that now, except for it's with health and life. And for me, the game isn't over, you know, the, the football game ends and you win or lose in life. Every day you wake up is the day to win. If that's a win, celebrate that win. And so, um, I, I took that same philosophy in cheerleading where there's still chance. There's still a time. There's still time on the clock. As long as I'm here, I can get through this, the most positive, uh, hopeful, blissful way. Even if it's a bad situation, we're losing 50 to zero today. 
it doesn't mean that the game's over. It means keep trying, keep going, keep fighting for what you need. Yeah. Oh, I really do love that. So if, if we, if there are some listeners who are struggling and perhaps feeling like things are too hard and things are too challenging, like what, what strategies could you recommend for them to be able to perhaps adopt that more cheerleader mindset and move into a state of hope? Great question. <laughs> I think there's a few things that you could do to develop a state of hope. And um, it does take practice. So first is learn about the condition that you have so that when new challenges come up or if you have a progressive disease, um, you can be better prepared. Setting the expectation in your life and the people around you's life can really go a long way. In the beginning, I was, like I said, I was fighting and clawing and help me, help me, somebody help me. And when I stopped and said, okay, let me get the education that I need. Let me get the knowledge about what I'm facing. And, and at that time, I didn't have a diagnosis. So, okay, I'm having these string of symptoms. These things are happening. Uh, what could this mean? And then take that information and go and talk to your team, your medical providers about what you're going through. And um, create an oasis in your life. You know, like you're trapped on a desert island. What would you need to survive? For me, my nightstand was my oasis. I spent seven years bed bound and wheelchair bound. And I had a little basket on the front of my wheelchair. And I had my nightstand when I was in bed. And I would put the tools and things that I needed right there on the nightstand so that I could just reach over and have something that was comforting. I also really like a tether. So along my journey, people would give me um, stuffed animals or trinkets or, or something like that. So when I'm having a bad time, I can hold on to my tether, my trinket, and I have a, a whole collection to choose from. When I'm going for infusion therapy, I, I look at my stuffed animals and I bring one with me that I can think about and concentrate on that's positive and brings back good memories of times when I was having a good time. And, and use those tethers to uh, create positive moments, even in the worst of times. So, you know, it does suck to be sick. It does suck to go through a, a health challenge. I'm um, not trying to say be positive no matter what's in front of you. I'm saying find the positive in the situation, even if it's something like bringing a tether with you to get you through. Because thinking positively can help lower your blood pressure and, and help you know, take a, a eensy towny point off of that pain level that you're experiencing. Um, it can help remind you of why you're living and what you're supposed to be doing and what your purpose is. And all of us on earth are here for a different purpose. So it, whether you know your purpose or not, try to live each moment to the best that you can so that you have more moments down the line that are even something bigger to celebrate but also celebrate the little things in life. I mean, I could, I have so many different thing tools that I use. <laughs> celebrate the little moments in life. Like, oh, today I got out of bed and got to the toilet on my own. Or today I brushed my hair or I brushed my teeth. Celebrate that. Um, a lot of people go, oh, I suck. All I can do is go to the bathroom. No, like that's a win. That is if, a win. If, if you struggle going to take a shower, it's a win if you get a shower or you brush your teeth, like whatever it is, that's a win. Take it as a win. So 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I love so much of what you shared there. And I I feel like a lot of also what you said applies to people who are perhaps struggling with more emotional challenges as well. So I know there are people within our community who do have um, illnesses, like physical illnesses, but obviously a lot of the people who um, we're working with and that we're supporting are experiencing social anxiety. So there's a lot of those emotional challenges too. Absolutely. And, and you have to, there's, when I say chronic pain, chronic pain can be physical, but it also can be emotional. It also could be spiritual. There's a lot of different types of pain that you could be experiencing. So um, please know exactly what Stacey said. It could be physical, emotional, spiritual, um, it, it, mental health is very important and is something when you do experience an imbalance in your life, in any of those areas, you can actually cause an effect on other areas of your life. So if you're really depressed, you might not have the the wherewithal to get up and do something physical that, that you wanted to do. And it's okay, but it's also something that you need to concentrate on and fix and work on to live your best life, whether no matter what type of pain it is. Um, it, it should be worked on and you should be treated as a whole being instead of um, just, oh, well, physically you can do this. So you must be fine. No, you have to pay attention to those mental health, emotional aspects of living as well. Yeah. I love what you said there about treating ourselves as a whole being, because that's, that's so true. Like, you know, mind and body are so connected, isn't it? That they, they impact and influence each other. So yes, thank you for bringing attention to that. So but I mean, in terms of like any type of feelings of like not good enough as well, is that anything that you've experienced yes. in your life? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. When I got RSD, we didn't know what it was, but I went to counseling and um, the, the counselor was like, wow, your whole life was invested in cheerleading. And that was going away for me very rapidly. And um, he said, I have an exercise for you to do. And everybody can do this. And I advise you, please give this a try if you're listening today. It's called the I am. Right. Sounds good. And this exercise got me rethinking what I am means, who I am, what what is that? And so he sent me home and he said, do this exercise and bring your list to to our next session. I said, okay. And I went home and I am a doer and I really want to try my hardest despite what I'm facing. And I just had, I am on my paper. We're a few days in. I only got a few days until I get back to the doctor's office. And he called me to check on me. He said, I'm just calling to check on you. How's your list coming? And I said, I, I'm nothing. I, I'm not a cheerleader anymore. I lost everything I've worked for my whole life. I have nothing on my list. And he said, well, then let's help you. And he said, the first thing is you believe in God. So you could write down, I am spiritual. And I said, well, but I can't even make it to church on Sundays. Like, and he said, being spiritual isn't about going to a building. It's who you are and what, and who you, um, uh, how you act. And I said, okay. And so that was my first thing I wrote down. I am spiritual. And then after we got off the phone, I started writing my list and, and I got up to 50. And by the time I got to his office, I had about 75 things on my list. 
And even today, uh, 20 years later, I have over 150 I am's on my list. If I'm having a bad time, I go check out my list and reread it and say, yes, I am this and I am that. And sometimes I am funny. Well, really, I'm not always funny. Are you always funny? No, I'm not always funny, but I am funny. I can laugh. I can laugh at jokes. I like comedies. That's an I am for me. And then, then you see something on my list. I am serious. Well, yeah, but I'm not always serious because sometimes I'm funny, but I still am both things. And it helped me reframe and see that I wasn't just one thing. I was a multitude of things. And that's what made me who I am. And in doing that exercise, it really changed my perspective of losing everything. I mean, I went from top of the world, owning my own cheer and dance training company, teaching in the United States and Canada, being a head coach at a university, being married for 10 years, riding around in limos and private jets to having nothing down to food stamps. And what do you do? How do you rebuild your life? Where do you go from here? Is life over? And, and I had to bounce back from having everything to having nothing. And now I'm not afraid to have nothing. I could start over today and know that I will be okay. I can rebuild a life because I've done it and I've seen other people do it. And that changed a lot. And that I am was what got me on that path to finding the new things about me, which I was already before this happened. I just never thought about it or concentrated on it or prepared for it. That's really inspirational. I absolutely love the sound of that. And that is a really good exercise to try. And I really would recommend anyone who's listening to give that a go. The thing I loved most about what that brought up for you was the the recognition that you are more than just a thing, that you are like a variety. And like you said, a multitude of things that you can be this in one moment and that in another moment. And there's all these different qualities and aspects and facets to you because that's, it's true, isn't it? That's like, we all have that within us. We're not just defined by one small little thing. So yeah, that's amazing. And again, your, I want to say faith in the fact that like, you know, that if everything goes wrong or like externally if things go wrong you know you will be okay and that's such a huge thing for us I feel like to learn and experience in life to have that trust that everything will be okay and that we can we can get through it yeah I I hear some people thank you so much I hear some people say like oh I'm just losing in life and I'm like no you woke up that's a win You know, (laughs) I would call my dad and be like, I can't dance anymore and crying. And he would be like, you can dance in your heart. Just because you can't physically dance doesn't mean you're not a dancer anymore. You can dance in your heart every day. So, you know, some days I'm able to have a spontaneous dance party at my house. (laughs) Um, and, And some days I can lay in bed and dance in my heart and know that that's enough. And not feel the guilt of society or the guilt that other people around us try to put on us because they want us to get out of bed and, and do something. And, uh, you know, that just knowing that I, I don't have to accept that guilt from anyone or anything that even, even if it's not someone putting that guilt on you, but maybe it's a societal stigma of you got to produce, you got to do something in society. No, today you don't. This moment right now, you don't. You need to take care of yourself mentally and physically and do what that takes so that you can have a future moment where you're able to help society. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, love what you said there about not taking on that guilt from society as well and all those expectations and all those shoulds. Um, I know that for a lot of our listeners, um, you know, part of like that social anxiety is feeling that pressure to always have to like be talking or be loud in situations and again that's just another societal expectation actually you know you do you exactly <laughs> be you. Yes, I'm gonna be me I want you to be you and just be you to the best that you can and whatever that is that's all we can ask try your best if your best today is not being able to get out of bed you opened your eyes yeah you know? celebrate when <laughs> you celebrate when <laughs> you know whatever whatever it is for you in that moment and I that's another thing that I've noticed in this experience was that time changed for me prior to becoming ill I never really like time was like a whole day 24 hours in a day 365 days a year it just moves on for me now, life is moment to moment and some moments are good and some moments are not so good, but I make the most out of any moment that's presented to me. And I know that every moment will come to an end. So some moments are longer, some moments are shorter, some are, are more happy, some are more sad, but they all are moments that make our life into a story, into a journey, into the who and the what's of our I am's. And so it's a moment. It doesn't define you. It doesn't define your past. It doesn't define your future. It's this moment right now. Let me handle it the best way that I can. And whatever way that turns out to be, as long as you've tried your best, that's good enough. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, that's such a good message to share as well. And I think that's something that we all need to absorb and, and take in and remind ourselves that it is just moment to moment. All we have is now. And, you know, everything is is an experience and it's, you know, might not always be a good experience, but there's always something within that experience that we take with us. And whether that's a lesson, whether that's just, I don't know, hope. to hope, yeah. <laughs> hope, help, a lesson, Absolutely. knowledge, data. It could be a seed for a tree that you need in the future that's going to give you the fruit of knowledge that you need in your future if that seed was planted right now and you don't need it right now, but down the line, your dad, your uncle, your aunt, your nephew, your cousin, your sister, your brother, somebody's going to need that seed and you're going to have it. It's in your garden, in your brain. And, and you will be able to grow that information into a fruit tree when you need that knowledge. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. So in, in your own words, like what do you feel like is the definition of hope? The definition of Big question. Hope. <laughs> it's an <Yeah>. amazing question. <laughs> um, the definition of hope is a feeling that gets you through. Sometimes it's as tiny as a spark. Sometimes it's as large as a wildfire in a forest. It doesn't matter what size hope is. It's something that carries you through that has, you cannot see it. Your glass is never half full or half empty unless you say it's half full or half empty. For me, my glass is always full. The part you can't see is hope. And sometimes my glass is filled with all the goodness of the most amazing drink, my favorite drink. And, and there's just a little bit of hope needed. That's the little tiny spark that I need to get me going through a situation. And sometimes my glass has, has less other stuff in it 
And the rest is filled with hope because that's what I need at the moment. So for me, hope is that invisible something that's always there in, and even if in that moment, it's the tiniest bit, it's still there. And it's something that will comfort me, be with me always and get me through. Yeah, that's really beautiful. It's a really nice way of looking at it as well. Um, so I, I know from my personal experience as well, like I went through, well, I've been through quite a, quite a few bad things kind of within my life too. And it was always just that little sense of like, I know that there's something at the end of this, that there's just that tiny little light at the end of the tunnel or that invisible little thing that you just explained that was always the thing that just keep like kept me going. So I completely agree with you when you say that like hope is, you know, one of probably like the most important things that we can kind of cultivate within ourselves just to keep us moving and to keep us going. Absolutely. And you can give hope to other people without diminishing your own hope. You know, if, if you smile at somebody or you hold a door for them, or you suggest a a tool for their life, or you provide a a podcast that has all these different guests and different worldviews on. Or people um, sharing their stories like you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Those are all ways to share hope and to help fill other people's cups when they need a little bit extra in their cup. I mean, in terms of that, then of sharing some hope with others, like what words of kindness do you have for our listeners and and our community? That there is great reason for hope because there is help. All you have to do is reach out and seek out and it will come to you. You just have to be a human doer, not just a human fear, (laughs) human being. (laughs) So yeah, It, it takes action to keep action going. I think that's like, um, Einstein, you know, every action has a reaction. So if you, you want to keep it positive and hopeful, even in the negatives, you can do that by spreading and sharing your hope, your resources, your tools, your education, whatever it is that you have to share. And all of us have talents. I know you're, some listeners are thinking right now, I don't have anything to share. Yes, you do. You have you, your story, your hope, your knowledge. And those are tools that can help other people, even a smile, even a joke, you know, something simple. Hey, this worked for me. This might be helpful for you. Um, and if they don't need it or accept it, it wasn't meant to be in their bag of, of, of tricks and tools and tips that they needed. But you shared it and that is spreading hope because there's a little bit of hope on there. It's just invisible when you spread those things. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so a question that came up for me then when you were saying that was if someone was to start um, perhaps trying that I am exercise yes. and were maybe getting a bit blocked, you know, like you said initially, like you were struggling to get anything actually down on paper uh-huh. and perhaps they don't have that other person kind of calling to check in on them. What yes. tips do you have for them to perhaps to help them, you know, start exploring the, the I am? If you're all alone, Maybe pull out a dictionary and start reading the words. It might spark something or open your eyes to, to uh, something that you are or um, help you think it through. Don't have imposter syndrome. That's when you, uh, you're doing something and you say, oh, that's not me. I'm going to pretend my way through. The I am exercise is not about pretending your way through. It's about really seeing who you are 
and knowing that that's good enough and, and getting to a place where you can. And, and again, I, I have over 150 things on my list, but it's also been uh, 20 years in the making. <laughs> so um, it's definitely something that I've held on to and has been a, a great resource for me. And um, it really, if you're all, if you're really alone, you can pull out a dictionary. If you have some people that you can ask, maybe if you're on Twitter or social media of any kind, you can say, hey, what are some adjectives that you guys would use to describe me? And see if other people's ideas match what yours are. And you can go, oh, no, that's not, I'm not that. Oh, yes, I, yeah, I agree with that. Or I would say it in my way. So your, I, your, you are is different than your I am, mm. but it can give you a starting point and you can take what other people give you. Just like when you give somebody a piece of knowledge, they can take it or leave it. You can do the same thing. You can say, Hey, what are some adjectives you would use to describe me in three words? What three, three words would you use? Oh, you're thriving. Okay. I don't necessarily feel like I'm thriving because I'm having these challenges right now, but look, I'm 29 years old and, and I am thriving. I've made it to 29 years old. That's an accomplishment, Absolutely. <laughs> you know? So whatever, whatever I'm older than 29, but I'm just throwing it out for whoever's listening. Um, <laughs> it, it, it literally can be anything that, that you are. It, it could be an emotion. I am happy. I am sad. I am comforted. I am positive. I am doing my best. I am quiet. I am loud. <laughs> whatever it is that that is your is you use your environment to bounce words off of yourself to help you get started in making that list yeah really great tips there thank you and I, I agree like sometimes other people see things in us that we might not always see in ourselves yet and having that reflected back to you can be really helpful I know that's an exercise that me and my colleague do a lot <laughs> it's like yeah let's let's gather feedback because we know that sometimes we miss a whole lot of things about ourselves that, that other people are like but you're really good at this and it's like am I <laughs> right and and, so, and 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 it makes you you're it makes you question am, am I really that or is that how they see me I know so I ended up getting a divorce um, after 10 years of being married and um, God had a better plan for me. And um, he, he brought me a husband and my name is Barbie, as you know, but my husband's name is Ken. So we're oh, Ken and Barbie. <laughs> and Ken came to me at a time when I was missing all of the signs that were being dropped in front of me. And how do you miss that you're Ken and Barbie? Um, and you can't miss that sign. So um, here we, here we are. <laughs> Um, Mary, we got married in 2007 and, and, um, he's the most amazing man. And at the time I wasn't looking for him, but he saw in me, I felt like I was the worst. I lost everything. I, my marriage failed. I didn't, I lost my company, my job, my life, my ability to drive. I had trouble getting out of bed each day. And he, at the same time that I felt all this loss, he was looking at me going, you're everything that I looked for in a wife. And I, did not get married for the first 35 years of my life or make a, a solid commitment because I was looking for something and you were what I was looking for. And I'm not going to let a disability, a physical disability, stop me from having the wife that I've looked for my whole life. Yeah. 
I love that. I mean, we're all here for someone, aren't we? Like whether that's relationships, friendships, work. And again, like I strongly believe that like if the people you are currently around like are not lifting you up, are not recognizing you for who you truly are, then they're not your people. And it's time to have that. Yeah. (laughs) People, same thing with healthcare. People don't realize you can fire a doctor. You can get a different opinion, a second opinion, a third opinion. You can find ways if your provider doesn't offer you the treatments that you think could help you through whatever you're facing, there's other providers out there that can do that. There's always a way to figure it out. Whether you take a bus somewhere or you take a jet plane somewhere, you can still get there. And it's just about finding the ways to and through whatever it is that you're facing and having the right people around you, making that team and using that approach. Your squad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it can get you far. It really could get you far. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of come back around to your your cheerleading. Yes, (laughs) it is finding your cheer squad, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Um, So just to start kind of wrapping things up a little bit, Barbie, um, if you had a message that you could send back to your younger self, what would you like to say? Everything will be okay. Just keep going. Yeah, I think your life is a pure example of how that statement is true. <laughs> it is. And you don't, again, you don't, you're not going to see it at this moment, but just know when you look back at from the future, it all makes sense. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and, and hearing your story. I think there's so many good insights in there that other people can take away. And thank you for that exercise that people can go and try as well. Thank you for sharing your hope. And yeah, it's just been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And for all of your listeners, do me a favor and go give Stacey's podcast in her whole platform a rating of five stars. Let everybody know that it's awesome and amazing. And this is your way of paying her back for what she's providing to us here on earth. And uh, go do it right now. So <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you so Sorry, much for having me. <laughs> Um, if, if anyone wants to reach out to you, Barbie, where can they find you? You can find me personally at barbieingle.com and you can find me on, or anything about chronic pain at internationalpain.org. It's an international pain foundation. We help people from all over the world. So if you're facing something that you don't know what to do next, you can reach out and we have a lot of different programs that can help you there as well. Wonderful. And just one last thing, cause I know you have a book. Would you mind oh, yes. just, yeah, do you want to share a little bit about that quickly just before we go? <laughs> sure. Thank you. Uh, I actually, I published nine books, but uh, my two favorites are From Wheels to Heels. And Heels is spelled H-E-A-L-S, not H-E-E-L-S. Um, so Heels is in healthcare, okay. <laughs> Wheels to Heels. And then um, my other favorite book is one that um, I did with my uh, brother, and it's called Aunt Barbie's Invisible Endless Owie. And that one got the conversation going uh, in our family so that um, I can have a better relationship with my seven nephews and my niece. Amazing. Lovely. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. And yeah, thank you for coming on. And I hope that we'll be able to connect again soon. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. I'd like to end this episode by highlighting some key takeaways that Barbie shared to help you cultivate more hope in your life. Understand what you're going through. 
collect knowledge, stories, and educate yourself on what you're experiencing so that you can manage the challenges when they come up and feel better prepared for the next steps. You can learn more about social anxiety by visiting our website, quietconnections.co.uk. Create an oasis for yourself that helps to soothe and comfort you when you're feeling challenged, anxious or low. This could be finding a calming space in nature, having a go-to mindful activity like art and gardening, or creating a self-soothing box which helps you relax through activating the senses. Have anchors that helps to reinforce positive memories and feelings. This could be visualizing a moment that brought you joy, could be listening to music, looking at photographs or holding objects that remind you of people that care and who you care about too. Have a go at the exercise Barbie used herself and create an ongoing I am list. Recognizing that you are a multifaceted human being who is fluid and ever-changing, growing and evolving. And finally, remember that hope requires action, even small action, and spreading hope to others through sharing your story, your knowledge and your resources with them helps nurture more hope for yourself. And finally, following the lead from Barbie, if this episode has been helpful for you, then please do give the Quiet Connections podcast some stars and a review. This does help us to reach more and more people and let them know that they too are never alone. Tune in again next week. And in the meantime, let's stay connected.